All right, Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have Rebecca Pigeon, storyteller, singer, multi-instrumentalist, and actress. Rebecca Pigeon is putting out her 10th studio album called Parts of Speech, Pieces of Sound. It's available now on all streaming platforms. And uh, yeah, so Rebecca, this was a very enlightening and thoughtful conversation, and I'm uh, very appreciative of it. Um, Her new record, Parts of Speech, pieces of sound is really well put together it's uh, orchestrated in such a way where it takes eastern and western sounds and blends them together in a way that's uniquely um like portraying like this uh yoga journey she's gone on and um it's fascinating because if you heard any of her earlier works it's completely different but completely her and completely encapsulating um we're gonna listen to a tune off the record this is Silent Sound off Parts of Speech, Pieces of Sound, Rebecca Pigeon. I'm going to take
Silent Sound, Rebecca Pigeon, Parts of Speech, Pieces of Sound. Available now on all streaming platforms. That chorus melody, though, right? Isn't that cool? It's a really cool, catchy bit. And I really think it brings out the narrative of the tune. And we're going to get into the narrative of this tune in this conversation. And Rebecca's going to explain it way better. And it, we get touch upon the point about how all aspects of this album kind of bring up um, the narrative of this tune in a way. Anywho, um, if you can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on any of the podcast platforms. It helps me keep talking to cool guests and sharing their insight with you. And here we go. This is my conversation with Rebecca Pigeon. Parts of Speech is an amazing record. Oh, thank you. I've been, uh, um, Howard sent me the advanced of it, and like, uh, when he sends me stuff, I usually just put on everything and just listen to it without reading anything about it, just to hear. Yes. You know? And yeah, then, good idea, yeah. Right, like, I don't know, because you put a narrative before you before you hear it, and it, I, I think it works better if you kind of experience it yes. yourself. Yes, yes. And, uh through that after that i usually dive into everything else and mm -hmm. this this record has an um, such an amazing composition of like the rhythm like the rhythm section is so tight in this mm. in this album and it's interesting because going through all your other albums of four you you mm. hit like upon like all these kind of like like different styles of music from around the world um mm. And from what I understand, um, your mother was a yoga teacher, right? She is a yoga teacher, a teacher. yeah. Very cool. Mm. So growing up, like, were all these, like, because I, I think your second record, Four Marys, that was a Scottish folk tunes, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there, you... that was my third uh, third record on Chesky Records label out of New York, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, so, like, is that, like, are all these cultures you grew up with? Well, my mother started working with BKS Iyengar in Pune in India in 1981 when I was a teenager. And so, yes, I grew up with that kind of <laughs> this figure in my family, which was affected her very much and affected me very much, too. Um, and she was my first teacher of yoga. Um, but um, I wasn't a f I wasn't influenced by the music of India until much later on in my yoga practice. Uh, but the music of Scotland, of course, informed my whole uh, growing up there. Okay, so like when when your mom was practicing yoga in, like. Did you pick up on more of like because it it's interesting yoga has like two like really profound like practices there's like the spiritual and like kind of mental approach that I think kind of gets overshadowed by like uh, the yoga fitness lose weight you know what I mean like, yeah yeah and like that's that's a it's almost a, just the exercise is kind of what like most people buy into in a way but growing up with someone who's actually practicing it did you kind of get both ends of that from as a kid. I think so. Yes, very much because she was she was studying with the master in India, and you know, for for him, of course, it was um, a spiritual and religious practice. But when he came to the West, uh, he was asked not to bring that into the teaching, and he just wanted to um, convey yoga to as many people as he could, 
And so he left out the the um, religious aspect of it and taught asana, which is the, the physical expression. I mean, asana can, does become a prayer, it does become a spiritual practice, but it can also, it, you know, the byproduct or the, the main product for the, for the West was, was the exercise in health, I suppose. And people came to it, as did Iyengar himself, because of poor health. And that's what initially draws people in. Um, but I think now, since lockdown, you know, uh, Prashanta Iyengar and Abhijata Iyengar, who are now leading the leading the family and leading the teaching because um, BKS Iyengar has died and, and his daughter Gita Iyengar died. So now Prash- Sri Prashant Iyengar and Abhijata Iyengar are the main teachers and they went, they brought their teaching online during lockdown, during the COVID. And so it makes a kind of a more immediate connection for all of us in the West with the Iyengar family and that spiritual aspect is the, their main focus and that's what they teach i mean they teach asana but they're they're they are <clears throat> following it as a dharma you know and and so i think we're getting exposed to that much more now in the west although you know yoga still very much in the west is a is a there's there's something called pop yoga you know yeah. prashant Iyengar refers to it as pop yoga which is you know sweat it out and work out (laughs) which is you know fine too yeah yeah i think it's like i think it's like a step towards it you know because as you're sitting as you're going through all these poses and taking the time to breathe in and center yourself you know i think the people that really get moved by it pick up on the spiritual aspects sooner you know through Mm -hmm. like it's kind of like a it's kind of like getting your first record and it's like i don't know kiss or something you know and then Mm -hmm. you find out about Mm -hmm. john coltrane you're like (laughs) Mm-hmm. You, move, yeah. you move through the waves um, go deeper yeah it's 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 interesting because like uh out of cleveland we had um, a museum uh, at the art museum we had a an exhibit on the art of yoga and like it, it went th- it shows all these like ancient drawings and like scriptures and all and like had a really cool aspect of the music part of it and like it really opened up my perception of like how like as a spiritual practice how, like just how old and like uh profound it's been in all over the world you know um because mm. i i've done a, a few yoga courses and like I've, i know a lot of friends that are really into it and um so kind of secondhand exposure to it and it's always been a very mm. pleasant experience and a very like opening mm. experience mm-hmm. but i imagine that would be way more enriched if like if my mother was you know what i mean like being a part of that like mm. every day and making it that uh mm. practice mm. How, mm-hmm. how old were you when when you like started doing this with your mom 18 18 so mm. that's a pretty that's a pretty like changing time for anyone's life <laughs> like, mm. but then i went soon after that i went off to college to drama college in london and and pursued my career so i didn't really come back to yoga until i was around 30. i mean i did it sporadically but not not seriously at all did you notice like the idea of like a dedication to a practice like yoga paid off for like going into a like learning acting methods 
That's interesting. An interesting question. I think it certainly helps with um, grounding and centering yourself and calming yourself down. Not that it's not that it's a you know people say oh you do yoga how relaxing it's not a relaxing <laughs> practice it's hard work um, very hard work but it is trans transforms your mind and transforms your body. Yeah. You know? When uh did you did you pick like uh, uh studying acting was there like a because I know it, it it was theater right so was there like a mm. an approach to that. That you well, I on? went to a drama school called RADA, the Royal Rada. Academy of Dramatic Art, yeah, in London. And uh, they didn't really, when I went there, they didn't really have a method like they did in the States. You know, there was no method. There was just, we had voice classes and classes in Shakespeare and movement classes. and But it was run like a repertory theatre when I was there. So directors from the outside, from, from the... The act, the the, the theatres in London would come in to direct us students, and we'd do about three plays per semester, and we, so we were always working on a play, and with with interesting people, very interesting people. Derek Jarman came in to to teach us, and Bill Gaskell, and you know, all sorts of interesting Ken Campbell directors who were active in the London theatre at the time. And then we'd be performing them. So that's, re we kind of learned through doing, which is another, uh, you know, which we, you, you kind of learn through experience in, in yoga as well. But this, yoga, this, this album that I wrote was inspired through yoga practice, but it wasn't, it's not yoga music. It's not yoga. It's not meditative music, and it's not music to do yoga by. And it's not supposed to be um, instructive or in t a teaching in any in any way. It's simply I was inspired by my experiences, and what came out of that is the music on this record. And I would describe it as contemporary art, pop slash rock slash world music and i and i started it as you as you perceived with drums uh with rhythm and um and and samples and 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 i and i approached it with a keyboard using uh different sampled sounds that's kind of how i wrote it which is different from what i normally do which is i normally write on on a guitar so I approach this quite differently, and 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 also the compositional aspect, you know, was just sometimes I would compose a melody without even being near a an instrument at all, just mentally, and then come to the to the keyboard and make string arrangements or or whatever, you know. But then the, I think one of the main instruments that inspired me was the tanpura which I didn't know about this instrument, but the yoga teacher was talking about the tanpura. She was likening it to the mantra om, that, that is like a kind of a universal reverberation and it's in us. And she said, it's like the tanpura. And I thought, what is that? So I looked it up and it's this drone instrument. It's a string instrument and it's used in all Indian classical music. And it reminded me of the bagpipe drone 
which is what I grew up with in Scotland in Scottish folk music and martial music, you know, you know, you go to any street corner in Edinburgh and during the festival, there's always some bagpiper, you know, with his hat out, you know, collecting coins and playing the bagpipes. So, you, you know, you're doing your shopping to this music of the bagpipes. I just, yeah. it's just in my bones. And when I heard the Tanpura, it immediately sparked off ideas. It's, it's, and I felt at home with it. It's an interesting instrument, right? Because it's like the... It's like the sitar you see in the back that's just droning that one note. And that's really interesting mm -hmm. that coming from like with bagpipes, because bagpipes have like that, that it's, they're two in one, right? You got that drone note and then you hear the melody on top of it. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting how one constant sound can inspire mm. so much from it, you know? Yes, that's and, so true. And that, that's really, and that's really cool. And like the idea of like, this record there's something very very grounding and soothing about it and then you're free to improvise on the top of it right. which is it's a bit like flying it's very lovely yeah and like it's almost like um in like i guess in in like western music when you think about like the intervals and like which ones are dissonant and which ones are uh yeah resolved right it's like yeah. with that because it's that constant thing, you're just moving from between those two so fluently that it doesn't matter if it's a dissonant, it resolves right away, you know, like it, yes. it makes that freedom of not worrying about keys and movement. Very interesting. That's very interesting. Yes. Yes. And so I, I, I think I had a kind of, um, I had a kind of freedom to be a bit improvisational in the, in the composition. Mm. Because the whole record sounds very, very tight. It's very well put together, and it's Thank in, you. it's interesting, like hearing like the, or at least the idea of uh, uh, um, parts of speech and pieces of sound, and like kind of approaching it that way from all these different cultures. Because the rhythm is like, it's you know, there's a pretty good four, you know, uh, section, or it's like in that pocket. But you ha you hear tabla, and you're hearing like electronic instruments, and it's like mm -hmm. it's also the pieces of different musical speech mm. which is a mm -hmm. really kind of cool uh overall arch of uh the concept of the record uh musically displayed mm -hmm. thank you so much yes i i wanted to get that across because that's what i was experiencing in the practice this parts of speech referring to what are called pranakriyas and and bija mantras. Bija mantras, bija means seed. And a, a one bija mantra, for example, that everybody knows is the mantra Om. And the, it's called a seed mantra because everything grows from a seed, right? Um, and the teacher told a wonderful story. She, she was teaching us about pranakriyas, which are basically syllables, just sounds um like e u or lu la and you're saying these internally mentally in in uh, pranayamic practices breath breath work which you know firstly of course calms down your mind because you're you're just thinking of these these sounds you're saying them you're literally saying them but silently in your head so 
immediately your mind is kind of tethered to that. And it's not doing its usual wanderings. It does wander away, but you bring it back. And she she told a story about a young girl as an analogy for these pranakriyas. She says a young girl goes to a temple every day for a year, for years, and is overheard by a priest who eventually approaches her and asks her, you know, little girl, what are you doing? She because she goes to the temple to pray, but she's he hears that she's saying the sounds of letters. She's just reciting the alphabet. So he says, what are you doing? She says, well, I don't know prayers, but I know the letters. And so I'm saying the letters to God for God to put them in the correct order to make sacred meaning, to make the meaning that, that, I, that I'm not able to make an appropriate prayer. And she says, because these the yoga teacher said, because these sounds are just parts of work, that they're the building blocks of language, but they have no meaning and no, no um, associations, memory associations or anything. They're just pure sound. And because of that, they have a kind of hypnotizing, soothing effect. And they become, you, you, you therefore sort of lull yourself into a kind of a sanctified place where you're more pure and it becomes a prayerful practice through those through those seed sounds that's that's so profound that's really cool it's interesting because like we we see that with like kids you know when they're trying to say a thing you know mm. you know what i mean like they'll they'll dab they'll babble and it's like it sounds like they're saying mama or or, or close to grandpa and like but they're not you know and like mm -hmm. it, it, there's that bliss that comes from that like this excitement that they're not saying it they're saying you know I know. I know I just read a brilliant thing by Rebecca West just on that topic yeah. the other day where she says you know little children or animals speak in sentences before they're, when they're pre-verbal they speak in sentences and because they they're they're saying uh, ah da, da, la 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 and yeah. they're 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 um emphasizing different words they're, they're doing a cadence of a sentence right and she says the child knows perfectly well how to see the doll and get you know his mom to give him the doll by by his babbling and when the the mother the, the adult adults in his life slow him down by making him learn the word doll he's kind of puzzled <laughs> because he's like yes I, I know what that is I'm, I know how to get it and it's like a kind of slowing down of his mind I thought that was really funny That's, it's super it's really interesting too because like you know how to get the thing you want, right? And like yes. now you got to find a way to define it to the world that they accept. Yeah, you know. So that's, yeah, that's I found that really profound with with uh, the sound of silence. Or wait, did I get that? Um, I'm missing up the title. Yeah, silent, silent sound. Silent or, or, sound. <laughs> I got yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's just like the sound of silence. <laughs> uh, Garfunkel. Um, Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel. But reversed and in a way the concept reversed too right like so that you know what you want to say but or you know how to get the thing you want without having to say it and like 
it's interesting because like with music too, right? Like we see people who are profound at music and there's this expectation mm -hmm. of being profound and you have to say these certain words, like you have to know this guitar lick to be a good guitarist or whatever. But really mm -hmm. it's that kind of babbling that's that brings that bliss. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's like, like Bach. Like yeah. people say Bach was the first jazz musician, you know, the great, great improvisational yeah inspiration and like but there there is there's that beauty and that that profoundness of it this just happened you know that's mm. that's really cool and on a side note the melody you have for the chorus in that song is incredible is that one that oh, came to you. you uh away from yeah you? i yeah. i was actually playing the piano the guitar with that and i i was singing that as and i i was writing it as a violin as a string part yeah Okay. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll just sing it. Because yeah. I was listening. I've I've gone back to that that track in particular more, just figure it out because it there is the strings behind it. I'm like, are you doing the yeah, or is that the strings? And you're like, I had the like, yeah. like that's cool because like it that's hard to do. That's hard to sing that like that. Yeah. Yes, I I'm singing what would be the, I suppose the descant violin part and and i have andy studer playing the the harmony below it on the violin and i'm singing singing the melody yeah it's very well put together that's really cool <laughs> um, going back to like uh um like it also kind of makes me think of um older women or a uh, uh, grandmother from the album uh, yeah. the raven like that mm -hmm. kind of song structure um like the Raven, like, what? That's a great record too, and like, but a completely A and B, like, stylistically mm. approach. But mm -hmm. your voice fits very well in that register, that kind of flowiness that this record really kind of like um, highlights. And on, mm, maybe you. it's on the nature of a uh, um, Indian kind of influenced music. Um, so it's interesting, like, because uh, every record you'd put out, like, is completely different which most people mm. don't do in in a way and it's completely different in a way that seems very genuine to who you are in each stage of your musical career. Thank um, you. So like is that is that I, I don't want to say is that something you intended on because it seems like it's something that just happened at the moment. I think it's just what happened at the moment, yeah. yeah. And and I mean maybe that people always are asking me is there any similarity between act, your acting part of yourself and your musician part of yourself and maybe that maybe that's it maybe that i'm in a in a certain trying to express a certain persona and i mean i haven't thought of this you're just putting the idea into my head i don't know if that's that that's true but you know i've been influenced by different all sorts of different kinds of music i love all sorts of different kinds of music you know right you know, so uh, maybe that's why as well that I'm I'm interested in exploring different different kinds of music. That 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 checks out. That you know, mm -hmm. like as a when you get into it, you start to like realize like, oh, you know, like country music's rad. You know what I mean? Or you know what else? Yeah. Is rad? Like just stuff you would not think 
you would be into. And then you're trying to talk to your friend who's like likes what they like, and they're like, "Yeah, have fun with that uh that bluegrass record." Okay, banjos are cool. Yeah. I get it. You're, you know, what I mean, like, you're trying. God, to... I wish I wish I could play bluegrass. <laughs> right. I'm in awe of those people. Yeah. Well, I imagine with like the the kind of the Scottish folk tunes, there's a lot of overlap. Oh with my the, god! The oh my god! Yes, yes. There's so many, so many connections. Was it with a with well another? Um, I was talk. I did an interview with Victor Wooten, and he um, his wife is a is an actress, and like she the he he was bringing up this point where he's like, I think every musician should take an acting class. And like, mm. even just like for the performance aspect of it being on stage, but mm. also kind of like going off what you just said, I'd imagine like already being in that headspace, of course, like a new part or a new like uh, style of music would become appealing because that's that's how you mm. better your craft is being able to like wear those mm. multiple musical caps yeah and it kind of wakes you up as well yeah it wakes you up out of a kind of stupor and it's exciting yeah makes you alive yeah because like um i'm trying to remember uh the bad poetry that the record mm. like that one there, there was like some punk elements on that which was really like, yeah going from like the raven to that i was like whoa <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> i know well, like, you see, I was so into punk as a yeah. kid in Edinburgh growing up. Oh, God, yeah, I loved it. Who were, who were the, some I, of the punk bands you were into? The, like, my favorite was Susie and the Banshees. Nice. And it's po a little post-punk. I would yeah. call that art, art punk. Art punk kind of alternative. You know, I remember when the Sex Pistols came in. I was still listening to ABBA, yeah. which I love. I right, love ABBA. Right. ABBA's great. And then... Sex, but the Sex Pistols, and I was like, huh? And I remember seeing them on the news, you know, and they're pogoing and they're they're spitting at the audience, and the audience is spitting back at them, and they're all like jumping up and down like lunatics, and they've got like piercings, and they're all like vomiting into the microphone, and I just was so revolted by it. And then, never mind, the bollocks came out, and all my friends were listening it my mat my boy like boyfriends yeah. were listening to it and then i started to realize i really liked it yeah especially john lydon i'm a huge fan of his yeah he is brilliant oh man there, and there's like i think part of that is like okay when you're not getting spit on like th there's something to this like approach to to art you know <laughs> and the tunes are catchy and like energetic I think that's it in the end is yeah. he's a great writer yeah. and a great singer. Um, he was an art, he's, he's an artist. So that, that's what I, that's what I connected with. No, definitely. Yeah. And I think like, I think especially when it's like media, when you're there and like you're, you're the, the, the explanation is getting spit on and how horrible this is, of course. But when like, it's, it's really cool that, that because in any in any like field of art, there's the punk rock guy. There's the guy who said no and did their own thing. Yeah, you know, like I know. I know. Music or... Yes, Stravinsky. And, right. I was thinking of Stravinsky. Like, like it's uh, anyone who sticks to their guns. It's like that's refreshing. Mm. Mm hmm. That's why I loved John Lennon too. Yeah. He yeah. was dangerous. And 
wrote some really fucking weird stuff, which I loved. Yeah. Yeah, no, his, especially like, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, Double Fantasy was in there, but Mind Games was pretty out there in the bits. Yes. You know, well, first. like, what about Revolution Number 9? Right, and right. Like, really. But then, like, Tomorrow Never Knows and stuff like that. I'm um, a huge Beatles fan. It's hard. Their, their music's so in the ethos. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, even they did the, like, the combination of, like, in, you know. Well, I was inspired Shank. very, yeah. I was very inspired by that by George Harrison's work with them and, and his influence, you know, his bringing all that influence into the, their sound was just, I mean, I don't know, just genius. Right. And like how they, how they did it without changing themselves, you know? I know. Yeah. It's, that's the hardest, but the most amazing thing is how do you incorporate you in this? It's a, yeah. another thing I found interesting. I was talking with uh, this metal band from India called uh, Doombar, and um, yeah. they use traditional instruments from their village, and it, they're not like uh, the typical traditional instruments found in like it's not like sitar. It's like they have it's like a weird string, almost like a lute, and like it's it's almost very Western how it how it looks, how it's played, and how they described how it's played. Like it's almost like played with a pick, and it's um, yeah, but uh, certain it's certain it's weird. It's interesting that certain aspects of culture don't appreciate the kind of melding of like of that with other parts of culture, you know, mm-hmm. and like, well, there's a, I mean, I think there's a strong religious component right. to Indian classical music. Definitely, um, definitely. So that that has to be revered and respected and. I mean, I was, I really wanted to be ultra sure that my record is a Western record. I'm just using, yeah. um, I mean, I'm using inspiration from that culture, but it's, of course, it's not, it's not Indian music at all. It's Western music. Um, and I, I, I love um, Indian classical music and, it's something that I could never, never do. I'm just not in that in that culture. Well, just even that the rhythm of their, it, you know, what I mean, like it's interesting how just rhythm where you grow up is so natural. Like four four is nothing for for people on the in the West. That's nothing, you know. That we got that. Yeah. But when it gets to be nine, like or like, yeah, um, they so, have all these long, long patterns, like right. sixteen. And I forget what they're called, but I'm working with an Indian drummer. He's he played tabla on this record, Satnam Ramgotra, and he um, is telling me bits and pieces as as we go along. It's fascinating. The pada yeah. and like the yes, they count and and the, and the kids and they learn as kids, and they they have to speak their instrument before they play the instrument. Ooh, that's which interesting. Yeah, with their with their yeah, they have to have to vocalize it mm-hmm. using these syllabic rhythmic structures. It, it's really complex and just wildly beautiful. Right. Um, mm. that, that it brings a kind of a bigger idea to the parts of speech, you know, and pieces of mm-hmm. sound in a way, like mm-hmm. how how that leads to that 
expressed on like a on tabla or or even with the do re mi fa so right like mm -hmm. the, the yeah symbolic uh, um, nature of melody that's really cool because yeah. I, I luck like one really cool thing that i'm lucky to have experienced a lot is i went to cleveland state to study music yeah. therapy and um, yeah we would have the i guess one of the i don't want to say it's the, they maybe they called it the biggest but one of the more pronounced um uh carnatic indian music festivals out of india so once wow. a year it just got school became the coolest place ever wow like, i didn't want to go to any classes because i just wanted to see these they had all day for a week these amazing like carnatic indian uh, um performances and god carnatic being like there's western india classical music and carnatic being more of like the religious and scripture based or uh, mm -hmm, dharma based mm -hmm. and like less focused on like kind of expanding beyond that palette or maybe mm -hmm. not i don't want to say expanding but more focused on carrying the tradition and mm -hmm. it, it was really interesting to see because there were some like crossover ensembles and stuff and like like just mm -hmm. seeing that like they have we sat in some like counting classes you know like our, our, our yeah. rhythms and it's so it's so natural when you grow up with it and that's just part of your you trying to reach the doll of the end yeah. of the bar <laughs> like yeah and you discover um when you're taught by people like by indian teachers in yoga that it there's all this music going on within us which is our own music it's the music of our our bodies make sounds in interior sounds because there are machines and we make sound the breath makes sounds and it makes all sorts of different sounds and uh that just saying simply talking to ourselves in in an inner uh inward way right mentally creates reverberation and um it's a fascinating thing to witness when you can get into that place of, of um, uh, a sort of detached place and, and a witnessive place, there's a whole world of stuff going on, which we're not aware of in our normal wake, waking state, waking, you know, normal everyday, yeah. you know, mundane worldly yeah. existence, <laughs> as Prashant Iyengar would say. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. You know, I've never thought of it like that. That's really profound. It's because it, mm. it, it is, you know, when we're thinking, because there's certain parts of a, because I also studied uh, NMT, which is neurologic music therapy. There's certain bits within like uh, the research that they say, like, if you practice mentally, it's as it's equal mm. to practicing your instrument physically mm -hmm. and in mm. some cases mm -hmm. better. Um, I may be quoting that wrong, but um, but still the idea of running something near your head has the same vibration as it would in the real. So interesting. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, and it, it's interesting, like how a lot of like scientific kind of like uh, advancements or like prove pr new proven things are long known ideas. And like, yeah, of course, in these ancient traditions. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you ever, um, I'm trying uh, Kiran, Kirtan, have you ever done a Kirtan yoga? I haven't. No, no I haven't. 
but I'm interested to go and see a Kirtan concert. Was it? A, um, I went to a I went to a Kirtan festival years ago. And mm. Like it's kind of like the like I, I I in my mind relate it to the part of that I saw Tom Petty years ago too. It's like the part when mm. every he gets everyone to sing "Free Falling" back to him. That's the oh. festival, except for yeah. <laughs> Except for that's the whole song, and like that's the most fun part, is being yes. in that group and being with everyone at that moment to recite this thing back. There's like this. It's transformative. Yeah. Yes. And like, it's interesting. Like, how, like that. That's a core idea of like Kirtan and like sharing the Dharma of what's being said within that. I don't know if I'm using that right or the scripture that's being sung within that. Um, back and relating to that concept and really like just being with it and like the same thing and it's interesting how many of those same kind of concepts find their way in different cultures in different ways and like how maybe more brash in some cultures like free falling yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes and how maybe more thoughtful in others um but yeah it's it's interesting it's they have a the few that I went to had one of those uh, pump organs. It's like half an accordion, and they just yes, use that for the, the harmonium. Harmonium, yeah. Uh, I just yeah, I love that instrument. Um, now working with the uh, this tabla player, I heard, I think I read or I heard in another interview, for this album, you're working on like three different ensembles to perform it live. Yes, um, yes, because I'm doing a gig a gig in New York at Joe's Pub on the 19th of September. And I'm working with New York musicians over there. I'm doing a gig in Los Angeles at McCabe's on the se- September the 24th, which is like a record release show. And I'm working with my LA musicians here. And then I'm working as a duo with Andy Studer. Uh, the two of us are going to do a gig for um, what's called Echoes. It's a, it's a radio uh, concert which will be broadcast to all sorts of different radio stations um, between that on the 15th of September. So I'm playing this, uh, basically it's three different gigs, three different set lists. I'll, I'll be playing music from this record most extensively in Los Angeles with the bigger band. I'll be playing some of it in, in New York as well. Um, and then I'll be playing a little bit of it as well, just as a duo. So I'm, I'm working on all sorts of iterations of it, but the album, the recording itself is quite layered, as you know. Um, so I'm working on ways to, to bring it, uh, simplify things, you know? Yeah. Is that like a... Which is a lot of fun. Yeah? <laughs> nice. Because like, I'd imagine... Like, I imagine, like, it'd be kind of, like, working up from the, almost backwards, from the minimalist one to, like, the, the full one, because that one would have all the possibilities to make the, the record. Um, yeah. But, like, is there, like, a handful of tunes that you know are going to carry each time? Yes, I'll be playing Sfiambu, I'll be playing Silent Sound, I'll be playing a song called The Ladder, I'll be saying, playing the first song on the record, Now Begins. Um, in Los Angeles, I'll be playing that quite complex song, Tiny Room. Uh, and I'll be playing Rudra Deva uh, in Los Angeles as well. That's a sort of more punky yeah. 
song on the record. Was it um, now begins kind of on that concept? Uh, like, I like how it has like the, the harpsichord. It sounds like at the beginning and like blends it into everything. That's a really like like to make it. Are you talking about maybe the clouds are clearing at the end, where I like play the harpsichord? Oh at the yeah, it is clouds are clearing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but that the uh, the blend of the two kind of like Western and Eastern kind of cultures in a way. I thought that was really well done. Thank you. That's great. Um, but so like, has guitar always been your main? Yes, I'll also be playing "Clouds Are Clearing" by the way at uh, in Los Angeles. I'll be playing more extensively from the record in Los Angeles. Yeah, because that's a full, uh, full band. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, usually I've I've written on on the, the guitar. Usually, yeah. Okay. And play the guitar. But I I did quite a lot of composing on the bass too. Okay. Which is a different experience from working with the chords on the guitar. That also that also can take you uh, to places you wouldn't go. You know, when you switch instruments, you're going to write differently. Right. And right. that's that's a nice. A nice habit to get into it's a it's also like it's kind of like the changing of roles because each role has a different yes. spot in the band um yeah i always found it hard to sing and play bass like i'm not i i feel it way right. more comfy on the guitar singing and playing um, right with a one other thing like i was a student of mine just got into a i'm really proud of them they really got into they uh they did their first musical and their first play and, yeah. Um it was super cool to see, right? And like um, um they're they're in high school and like it was interesting cuz I'd never really thought of it until witnessing with witnessing them uh performing, but the idea of rhythm within a play or acting in that sense and like mm -hmm. how it's like kind of experienced throughout the whole body and like mm -hmm. you're, you're you you can still be <laughs> off time and on time or syncopated but in a different manner like coming from acting did you notice like an easier time making that or under or having the kind of a musical expression with that like I, I guess what i'm trying to say is because you're also a musician does a mm. rhythm within acting become an easier thing to do because you have a musical mind or vice it becomes versa? an easier thing to do if the script is musical oh, okay. if the script is rhythmically correct as for example in a shakespeare play or a david mamet play or a play by samuel beckett okay that is like performing a piece of music actually and like is it like a or a play by harold pinter for example okay okay um the better the writing is you'll find the more um like performing a piece of music as is that's what i found hmm. because uh, it it carries you in its its rhythms and you you're so supported by by the the musicality of the script it just makes everything so much easier hmm. and when 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 something is less accomplished then you have to work much harder as an actor to find uh, to make the rhythms work you know 
Mm. That would make sense. Like, uh, it seems like songs that are more ballad-like or or loose felt, like with not mm-hmm. a defined time signature, are harder to play because of that. Because you really got to find your own groove within that. And they're more exposed as well, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, every note is more exposed. Yeah, because so it has to be played perfectly. You know, that's what bass players say. They, you know, they say it's a real art to hit the note in the center of the note and have the, the full expression, all the harmonics on each side of the, all around the, the perfect pitch of the note is just the great art of, of bass playing. And it's those, it's those, um, it, it, it's those passages where the notes are heard clearly by themselves, you know, that are, can be more challenging than, than the noodling around or riffing. Right. Because you can, you can, it's, it goes quick to the end of the cadence, right? You didn't have time to realize, well, that was kind of weird. <laughs> like, wow, that's cool. That's one, uh, um, I have the a- tone, I suppose, you know, and, and violinists, you know, you know, string players, they're looking for that beautiful tone. It's so important to find it. And that's part of their virtuosity. In- and you, know, you could say the same with singers, you know? Yeah. It's it's interesting because it's like that going back to that that ohm that kind of center tone that resonates best with mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. your physical exterior because everyone mm-hmm. has like a different set of uh, yeah pipes we all have a different instrument yeah inside there the vocal box yeah and the ohm you know when you say ohm it's like having a sound bath yeah. an interior sound bath. That's why I think singing makes people happy. You know, you, you, they say that you're activating a different part of your brain when you're singing, when you're or playing an instrument. Yeah. And um, you are creating these harmonious vibrations in your body. It lifts your spirit. Yeah, it's interesting because like um, you activate a bunch of part of your brains when you when you do music or even listen to music. There's so much going on. Ah. And one of the oldest part of the the what they call the lizard brain lizard brain I could talk yeah um, uh, the cerebellum cerebellum is really activated with rhythm and with the idea of breathing right we don't think about breathing but that cerebellum's keeping that going yeah when you, when you sing and play in a group that you release this neurochemical called uh, oxytocin which is released yeah. with uh, with a motherly child bonding. And it uh-huh, has a uh-huh. sense of trust and the sense of love within it, yeah. as well as in other circumstances. But like, it's definitely it, I I live for little nuggets like that because it's so cool. And like, the idea of yeah. finding that pitch within yourself and finding what makes that tone resonate is really powerful. yeah um, yeah. One thing, like, uh, I was talking with the of a couple friends that are diving into acting. And one friend was telling me um, about the uh, oh, I just forgot the name of the method where you repeat over and over and over again. Um, uh, oh, I I know what you're talking yes. about. Gosh, what's the name of the what method? What the hell is it? Uh, I think it's just called repetition, isn't it? Or 
I, I forget. She had a, she had a certain name for it. I know um, my girlfriend's and screaming was... right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stanford Meisner 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 Meisner. Yeah. Um, the idea of like repeating this thing over and over and over again until you just react to it when you're doing it um, is a hundred percent how you do music. You just play that mm. passage over and over and over again. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And like then kind of relating it to like an idea of a mantra, you repeat this thing to yourself over and over again until it becomes unthought of. Mm. It just becomes a it mm. becomes one in a way. Um, mm. And I guess bringing all that up, I don't know. My question would be, did you experience that in these different practices and kind of see an overlap? Yeah, I, I've been experiencing all sorts of things. Not, you <laughs> well, know, I not that so. I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that I'm an enlightened person at all, or or highly qualified yoga practitioner at all. Um, but yes, one the deeper one goes into one's practice, the more astounding and deep the experiences are. And the more, and I don't know how to say this without sounding trite, but you experience other worlds, you know, of mm. awareness and joy. Um, and it's not, it doesn't, it's not like being high or anything. It's just, um, it's just a, a state of, glimpse glimpsing a kind of bliss no that I, th I think that makes sense you know and i think the more you in involve yourself in any one of those practices you understand that that bliss right like the idea of someone being like i'm gonna play this this passage on my piano until i can do it in front of people so no one claps and you're like <laughs> You know, it's largely to do with getting rid of your ego, right? Getting rid of rid of the subjective entity, the I, and becoming a witness. Mm. That that helps us get rid of the burden of so many of of our pains, you know, and our sorrows. And it's a freeing experience. And I suppose that's what people, actors. I mean, it's called being in in a work in a flow right when you're in a and people we all experience this when we're in a flow we're unself-conscious we're in communion with the act of whatever it is we're doing and it's a create you know there's all sorts of different ways of being creative everybody has create creative urges and is creative um and when we're in that flow that's when we experience a state of egolessness which is a, a kind of joy our ego is so uh, is the cause of, of so much trouble and so much pain for us it is and like it's interesting like when you get to that point and if it could be anything you're doing if it's you at home like just prepping for whatever holiday meal and like you're just cooking exactly doing yeah thing. you're like not even worried if you're doing it right you're just doing it at one yes place. or just yes cleaning yeah. the room or cleaning the house exactly right? like organizing the drawer or you know whatever it is you, you and you get this feeling i don't know if you've had this like 
the sentence comes into your mind, I'm feeling really happy right now. I'm feeling really happy. And it's and you're doing something that's soothing and comforting and it's simple. Yeah. And like I guess the I, I get, for me, I guess like this is awesome. Like, or you know, you're I feel lucky for this part. I think that's what pops in my head. Like that's so cool that I can do this right now. Like even if yes. it's like just sense of gratitude. Right. A sense of gratitude, which so often we don't feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great it's such a great moment when we do feel it. And it's it always seems to be like burdened by is, is this right or you know, you comparing it to like the kind of the other or outside of the yes. self or yeah. making it seek more meaning where really it just has to be just that. And like yeah. but those moments are, you know, they're few and far in between, but they yeah, I, I don't know. It's always kind of the practice to get back to that. And yeah, that exactly. What your craft is, is like, that's, I guess, the level of close to mastery <laughs> when you're not worried about it and you're just doing it and having fun and other people yeah. are just inspired that you're being you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's why it's great for us to have to, you know, sit at the feet of sages and learn from them. For sure. Because they are embodiments of joy, like the Dalai Lama or, you know. That you feel immediately soothed by these inspiring people, uh, by these saintly people. Um, the, the, and the first thing I notice about them is their great sense of joy. That's what I noticed about um, Guruji, about BKS Iyengar. Yeah, he was he was a radiant, radiant person. And they make it simple. Right, like the idea of yeah. the dishes or or cleaning the that's they make everybody thing. around yeah. them. They make everybody. They lift everybody around them. Yeah, and it's important to make that a discipline in our lives. I think to seek out teacher, you know, wise people, because it lifts us out of the doldrums. It's a support for us. It's a support for our minds and, and practice because we can't do it on our own. We're not. We're never. You know, we're we're ordinary people. We need to be uplifted. Uh, you know, we need to we need to read noble texts. We need to study the words of noble people, and uh, that's you know we find our path. That's one of the ways we can find a path, our path, our meaning. You know, meaning of life because it's so easy to sink into a kind of despondency, which is a kind of dis disease, disease. You know. Mm. Um, no, I definitely agree. And like, I think that was very well said. And like, I guess the kind of, on the idea of like, simplest, like when you think of melodies or music that really resonates, and I guess it goes back to the idea of like, the Sex Pistols, like, the <laughs> simple stuff, but it hits home and it's hard to do something so impactfully simple. Well, there's something so emotion, music, great music at its best does kind of it hits your heart and it brings out an emotion I guess and can make you feel a sense of sort of 
being unified with other people. I mean, I don't know how the Sex Pistols did that quite, but I, 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 I don't know. They made me laugh. They made me just, just feel happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, if anything, they show you can do it. If they can do it, you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could do what John Lydon does. But... Well, you'll know for sure. We all can only do our own thing. But yeah. the fact that it somebody... reminds me of like when I. You know, it takes all kinds. When I remember walking into a room, seeing my daughter, age two, she was watching The Wizard of Oz. It was the first time, and I thought, right, I've got to be there, you know, when the, the Wicked Witch comes on, you know, and, like, monitor her and see how she's doing. And yeah. there's the Wicked Witch of the West just absolutely was just my source of terror as a young child. <laughs> and yeah. I, wa- I, I looked at my daughter, the Wicked Witch comes on, and my daughter's face lit up in delight just like this enormous smile across her face just like utter like like wow that is awesome like the look of delight on her face I I thought you are a really different person from me (laughs) but um yeah so that's what the sex pistols did (laughs) that's true I think that was a beautiful way to put that um, have you uh, do have they dove into music or or yoga at all? Your kiddos? Um, they're both very musical. Yeah, my son is a composer. He does lots of co- composing for like video game music. Yeah, it's really good. Very yeah, good. really really talented, and constantly doing it. And uh, my daughter is also very musical, but she's not really doing anything with it. But she's a huge music lover. She's a wonderful singer. That's she awesome. can listen to any piece of music once and remember yeah. it like for the rest of her life. Yeah, I, something I can't do. That's, I wish I had that skill too. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good She's one. She's always have. coming up with something. And I say, how do you, how do you remember that? You know, because it's something that she and I saw, you know, years ago, and yeah. I've forgotten. <laughs> that's incredible. Is, is it? Is, has your son published with any video games? Like, if I if I look up like a game, I can hear their, his piece. He's got stuff on online, I think. His okay. his writer name is Mammoth Plant, and he's um, he's got a huge SoundCloud list of compositions, and he's worked on um, video games with with other people. But he's working on his own video video game called Mirrored Soul, wow. and uh, yeah, he's really talented. That's incredible. I have so many kiddos that like strive to do that. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rebecca, this has been a, a pleasure of a conversation. I really appreciate your uh, time. It's such a pleasure. And I really enjoyed diving into your career and you're a phenomenal Thank you. songwriter and musician and actor. And thanks, I appreciate thanks. The, I appreciate the time. Thanks, Rebecca. Have a good day. Thanks, Dave. You too. Bye. Bye. Yo, Spike Spiegel here. You just listened to Zig at the Gig podcast. Keep riding the bebop. See you, Space Cowboy. Bang. <laughs>